Welcome to a new episode of Parole. Today's guest is a Zambian boy. Bernard Joseph has been living in Canada for 15 years, started with a criminal major, turned around and followed a sommelier path. It was not only fun and insightful to speak with him, but as a fellow African, we talked about the current state of gastronomy in Canada and Africa, the thing that happened last year, of course, and his future. Hope you enjoy the conversation and for those in Ottawa, visit Atelier Restaurant, follow and support him and his team on Instagram under at Zambianboy and Mr2AM. Don't forget to follow Parole Podcast on Instagram at Parole Podcast. On today's episode, let me introduce you to Nonara Beach Resort. Nonara is located on the shores of Lake Tanganyika in Bujumbura, Burundi, the second deepest lake in the world. The country boasts a beautiful scenery, and Nonara has surely taken advantage of the location. When staying at Nonara Beach, you'll enjoy a free parking, free breakfast, airport transportation and shuttle bus, bar lounge, room service, and most importantly, is a free high-speed Wi-Fi. To a first-time visitor in Bujumbura, the city will start to be lively in weekends where all sorts of parties and functions usually take place. Whether you're planning your summer in Burundi, or whether you're likely to take some time off outside of the rush of the city, you can book a stay at Nonara Beach Resort or plan an afternoon time with friends and family. Visit Burundi with Nonara Beach Resort. Welcome to a new episode of Parole. Uh, so today's guest is, uh, how can I say this? Let me just start with your Instagram handles. Because they're so sure. funny. They're really good. Zambian <laughs> boy, you'll have to explain that because that one is pretty easy. I like the Mr. 2 a.m. because this is fun as well. It means, uh, you know, pointing right. at Yeah, that, that one was a fun one. It's, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll explain that one for sure. <laughs> and the best of the best, the creme de la creme, is Mr. Real Champagne Papi or Champagne Papi or whatever. So that one I saw, I was like, yeah. Good one. So I'll have to take uh, Drake on this one. Are you the best champagne person, or is he? I don't know. It's, I, I'm I'm willing to take uh, to take Drake on on that one. <laughs> I think I'm pretty confident I drink more champagne than Drake. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, he has he has an advantage though because he actually owns his own champagne house. So that's uh, that's that's one that's one above me. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I, I mean, okay. I, I forget I forget what it's called, but he does he does have one. Yes. Is it me or everybody's buying champagne these days? Oh. It, it appears so, you know, everybody wants the, the, the Jay-Z money, I guess. There you go. Which, is it champagne? Was it like really in France or like outside? Yeah, France? yeah, it's uh, champagne proper. So oh, I, I forget, yeah. like I, I, I forget the details, but I remember seeing he has a rosé and he has, uh, he has a white one as well. So yeah. There you go. So yeah. let's start with the handles and then oh, with the handles. Okay. So uh, when I when I first moved to Canada, um, starting with uh, social media and high five, if anybody is old enough yes. to remember that. Years, man, that was the best. <laughs> I missed the whole MySpace thing, so I jumped on at high mm -hmm. five, and uh, yeah, it just it just felt uh, it felt cool to have to have a name like like Zambian boy, but uh, I also. <laughs> I was also hanging around with a lot more of a diverse group of people than I was accustomed to. So, mm -hmm. you know, the Jama Jamaican slang was, was, was a big part of it. So uh, okay. that's where the boy came from, the B-W-O-Y. So yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was sort of a shout out to, to where I'm from, but also mixing it in with the, the, the new side of things. All right. So the 2 a.m. is an easy one. Either you so, were a bartender somewhere or 
so I work in the I work in hospitality. I'm in the restaurant industry. So as everyone knows, we go late with our with our yeah. hours. So at some point, my friends had stopped inviting me to to parties because they said you're always working, you never show up, you know oh, things yeah. like that. So I said, no, 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 you still need to invite me, and I'll come when I come. So it ended up being that I would always show up at two a.m. So one time, these guys say, "Oh, Mr. Two A.M. is here," and I was like, oh, I like that. <laughs> That is I'm a good to, one. I'm going to stick with that. So yeah. I guess if I had used that one when I was uh like just say younger, my mom would be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird. Uh, 2 p.m. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how my mom feels about it, but yeah. <laughs> there you go. So that was a great part of Instagram. So who yeah. is the real you then? Who's the real me? Um I I guess I'm a complex individual, uh, but yet simple is how I like to describe myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I basically live um, what I work. So I, I love engaging with people. I'm a very social person. Uh, so, <clears throat> pardon me. So social media is, is, is a natural extension of that for mm -hmm. me. Uh, but also, you know, with work, it's being in restaurants uh, is, is, is a great way to interact with different people from all backgrounds. Um, so it, uh, that, that's basically how I live my social life as well physically. So it's, it's, it's always nice to, to interact with people you otherwise necessarily wouldn't yeah. you know you would otherwise wouldn't necessarily engage with and and realize that there's actually common ground so I thrive I thrive off of that so I guess all right that's that's who I am okay so for my for the audience I'll have to explain exactly how I got in touch with you mm -hmm. go for it why because it was so funny as I was scrolling through the Instagram as we all do at 2 a.m while I was yeah. thinking about life <laughs> <laughs> something like that. when i when i'm most active on instagram yes exactly. it makes sense. <laughs> two, two, till four where i'm working yeah. uh it was really funny because i saw your pictures and i was like ah, i know this guy so basically we have a friend in common Angelique, you should listen um and yeah, I, feel, I feel like an honorary member of the burundian community <laughs> yeah that's what I, I started, like because i was like is he no he's not I saw yeah. like, he live? No, no i'm pretty sure he's not burundian <laughs> but the funny thing is that I don't know why, but I felt like a connection is straight because I didn't know you were sommelier. Mm -hmm. And and I see you and I'm like, is this a joke? Because I feel like it, sometimes I make these jokes like I, I go to the opera. Sometimes you're the only black person in the opera. You're like, I mean, fine. Right. Yeah. You go into hospitality. It shouldn't be that way. But, you know, it but is. It is. It is. Yes, sommelier, exactly. And I think like sommelier and chef, chef less now nowadays i guess with tv and everything but like sommelier you're the first i'll say mixed race sommelier yeah that that's really that's, that's like, it no i identify as uh, as black but yeah you know the, if okay we, if, we, if we get technical then yes mixed race yeah, is, I mean, is, also, yeah. is also accurate for sure so what happened so tell us you know share your background where were you born and so yeah yeah bo born and raised in in zambia uh, okay. i was uh, i grew up in lusaka um very big big family um it was uh it was you know it was, it was it was a normal african upbringing in that sense mm -hmm. i guess that it was it was very community-based okay. and i yeah I, I i'm an only child in my immediate family but i have okay over 70 going... over yeah. 70 first cousins and we're all very very close so <laughs> that's not even counting the second and third cousins so yeah we're quite we're, we're quite we're quite massive we're always scared when there's a wedding because you know, who, who's, sure. who's not getting invited is, is always a big issue but everyone ends up getting invited <laughs> anyway so hence the champagne i understand that. yeah exactly there yeah. you go <laughs> but no but yeah so i i in 2003 i finished uh, finished high school 
and okay. the plan was always for me to come to uh to, to Canada for university so that's uh, that's what ended up happening mm-hmm. and uh yeah did, through sort of transitioning from uh from from, from Zambia to uh to 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 Canada it was mm-hmm. it wasn't that much of a, of a of a big shock I would say you know I was fortunate enough to have yeah. been exposed uh-huh. to a lot growing up so I, I sort of knew what to expect but it was hard it was hard being you know 17 years old and uh, away from 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 friends and family yeah. and things things like that so yeah, the transition was a little bit tough so what uh, what ended up happening is I moved to um, a small well small small-ish town called uh, called uh, Gatineau Quebec it's, okay. it's basically if you look at it it's uh, you have the Ottawa River and mm-hmm. on one side you have the province of Ontario, and on one side you have the uh, the, the the province of Quebec. So I lived on the Quebec side. Okay. And moving, having finished grade twelve, I needed to go to what they call Cégep, which is essentially uh, college before you go to university. And that's where I got introduced to more and more of the uh, the African uh, diaspora. So oh. I had I had a six month transition period where I didn't. I didn't necessarily engage with anybody. I was uh, sort of still adjusting, and okay. yeah, January two thousand five is when I when I when I started school and I started to to, to make friends and uh, and yeah, a lot of them still my friends to this day. I uh, yeah, Amen. ended up going to university two years after that. Uh, studied okay. criminology, hated it. <laughs> I mean, I knew I knew, I knew in the second year. Now? Exactly, I, I feel like there's a criminal element to what I do. Uh, <laughs> I like. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So uh, I was working in restaurants the whole time. So from the moment I started oh, okay. school, uh, I had been working in restaurants. I started as a, as a as a, as a kitchen helper. Okay. Uh, just helping with prep and cutting vegetables, things like that. Yeah. Uh, and dishwashing, all that. And then after a few months, moved onto the dining room floor as a, as a server. And yeah, all through all through university was working working in restaurants. Never really considered it as a full-time job ever yeah. to me it was just you know it was nice to make money while I was studying yeah yeah so once I once I finished uh the my my, my studies uh in criminology I was uh, a little bit jaded I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life so I uh took basically two years off and I was working full-time as a, as a server at uh, at a oh, restaurant okay. And at some point, my boss at the time was like, well, you've been doing this for two, two years full time. Like, have you ever thought about making it a career? And I kind of stopped and I looked at him and I was like, what? No, you know, like I'm supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer or an yeah. engineer or an accountant or something. You know, so I need to put on a suit and work in an office and <laughs> clock in nine to five. Uh, so at that point, I was like, oh, yeah, actually, why not? You know, I, I actually enjoy doing what I do. So I, he, was, he was like, oh, yeah, you should go and study bartending. And I didn't really, you know, have an interest in, in being a bartender, per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he suggested uh, the sommelier program at, uh, at another local college. So that's how I, I ended up doing that. So I started that in 2013. Okay. And uh, it was a, uh, it's typically a three-year program, but if uh, you're in the industry, you can do the compressed, which is quite intensive, but one yeah. year, uh, you do it in one year, which is what I did. And uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was tough. those Tuesdays were, were long. <laughs> so yeah. Like, I, Why am I on earth? Why this yeah. wine? Why? <laughs> exactly. Drinking wine at 8 a.m. Was, was, was never a oh, hard yeah. thing. It was more about getting there at 8 a.m. Yeah, exactly. 
that's a good one man that's crazy because it's funny that you said that you discovered that like the, the passion i guess or the drive um while you you were just like working um normal job let's just say because i remember having another conversation with um, a hospitality expert in africa and he said something like the more we'll have students going to school and trying to pay their bills uh, you know uh, along the way they'll discover hospitality because in africa for now everybody's doing the lawyer thing the engineering and so it really seems like it happened to you like sommelier is not an easy th- i mean it's not to say that others are not easy, but sommelier, you, you know what I mean? It's like, is it because I'm in France that everything seems fancy? It's like, you have to know the regions. You have to know things. And it's funny for me to be like, you know, you can cook whatever, a fish, mm-hmm. whatever. You kind of, you have cooked something in your life, whatever. So what happened the first time you went there and you're like, okay, I'm starting this program actually. So, so I actually I actually started it as a bit of a joke. It was uh, <laughs> it, it was it was more like yeah I, I'm not doing anything right now. I don't have any plans. I'm young. I have you know I'm not rushing to do anything. Okay. So uh, I was like yeah let's see what happens. It's one year of my life. It sounds like it's a fancy job. You know it, it feels like if I if I tell my mom that this is what I do, she sure. should be proud to tell her friends that yeah okay, this absolutely is son, this is what my son does. <laughs> Um, so I started it and then I realized that, I've, I, so first I've always had a very, very big love of uh, history and geography. Oh, so okay. going I into know. the sommelier program, I didn't realize that that was such a heavy component of what I was going to be studying. To me, it was just, you're learning about beverages and I never oh, really paid much yeah. mind to what, uh, to what that actually meant. So going in, I was like, yeah, I get to drink wine. This is fun. I've always yeah. enjoyed wine, not knowing anything. <laughs> And then I realized that, okay, this is, yeah. this is very, very cool. You know, it's, uh, I was never big mm-hmm. on sciences and it was nice to be able to be engaged in something I was actually really, really interested in. You know, it's like, mm. I, I, I don't care if you add sulfuric acid to water or water to sulfuric acid, but then learning about the chemical breakdown of fermentation, all of a sudden <laughs> that clicked for me. And wow. to be able to engage in that, uh, historical aspect and telling the stories of wines and the wine regions and uh, you know how wars have shaped the wine business um, and then the geography of it and how you know the glacial melt and how volcanoes and how uh, you know the the, rec- the receding of the ocean has impacted terroir is has has become sort of my approach to wine because of that. Mm, so okay so you knew about geography which is a good thing because sometimes you know, so can I make this joke? Because I remember my, my dad is a really into wine and he, he never drank beer per se I guess, mm-hmm. until, until I realized like he never drank beer at least in front of me, maybe when he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So I knew like wine because of him, because of my grandfather. And I knew the geography of France for that reason. Um, what happened when you go and study something like, um, I don't know, South Africa or Oh, California, what do you learn there? Because when it comes to wine, there is, I mean, for front, I'll only speak for front, but there is like mm-hmm. parts of literature, history, obviously, every building that you see kind of when you're in Paris, in Lyon, in different cities, like, oh, here they drink this and this and that. And you kind mm-hmm. of understand the mindset of the French or the European way of doing life, I guess, mm-hmm. through wine. What did you mm-hmm. realize? Like, okay, this is, this is definitely, I'm learning about countries more than, so, so with with uh, let's say, let's take France for example uh, as a very specific example. Uh, it was it was really interesting to see how 
they're so strict with the appellation system mm-hmm. and uh, i i found that very very interesting uh, you know <laughs> like if you're in the in the loire and you're going from uh, you know from nantes all the way uh, across the valley it's it's completely different and broken down into sections and then you go to Bordeaux and it's like okay so you're on the right bank and the left bank and that's completely different and then you go to the south where it's like avant-garde and it's like if you got (laughs) if you got if you've got the will to do it no problem go for it you can basically do whatever you want and then you get burgundy and burgundy is where my heart is burgundy and champagne are where my heart is because it's it's so intellectually uh challenging and it's like you can't you can never know everything about burgundy it's impossible. It's like their, their laws are so intricate. Their uh, geography is very, very specific, even though it's such a small region. Mm. And even, even the way they, you know, hand off uh, the vineyards to generations to generations, fragmenting it, meaning, you know, someone, there can be a four acre plot of vines and mm-hmm. there's literally one, one member of the family that owns two rows of vines and then the other <laughs> member owns the other two. And it's like, it's it's it's, right. it's it, i find that hilarious i find it so funny <laughs> french where imagine the the public sector yeah <laughs> i remember growing up the french were always famous for going on strike <laughs> for uh, some they reason still so, do. they yeah, still do no good worries thing, good uh, thing for, even with uh, covid still yeah do. even with the covid okay <laughs> <laughs> But yes, yeah, so, so t- t- transplanting that, you see other regions employing that very detailed geographical designation. So mm-hmm. even in South Africa, for example, which I'm very, very passionate about, uh, so South African wines, they've got another very intricate system which goes from the province to the specific region to very small districts oh, and, okay. uh, and, yeah, and uh, very geographically controlled. Um, so it's, uh, it's, 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 it's fun to, to, to learn about that stuff. Is it like, I don't know, because I know of the, the wine, obviously, but I don't know the intricacies, but is it like appellation as well? Do they have like all the norms that we can find here? So in, in, Fra- uh, so in, in France and uh, say in, uh, in Italy or you mm-hmm. know, Spain, it's, it's very specific varietals that are, um, that are required to be grown within certain regions. So if you're in okay. Bordeaux, you have you know, five very specific varietals you can, you can grow to actually have it on the label of Bordeaux if you're if you're growing you know red mm-hmm. grapes for example in Burgundy if it's outside of uh you know Chardonnay and Pinot Noir and Aligoté then you, you're not allowed to call it uh, yeah. vendable going right so yeah. uh in South Africa it's a little bit different they um it's basically if you're going to label that your your wine is from a specific region then it has to it, all the grapes have to have come from that region uh, mm-hmm. And not necessarily a varietal specific mm-hmm. region. So if you're in Franschhoek, you can still have uh, you know Syrah and label it as Franschhoek. And if you're growing Chenin Blanc, you can still call it Franschhoek Chenin Blanc. But even if you're in Swatland, you can still say the same thing. If you're in Robertson or Parl, you know it's it's more about the actual physical grapes and where they're coming from, wow. which a, a lot of a lot of other wine regions are, are doing as well. Okay, so let me take you back uh, to school. Mm-hmm. The first year, I mean, the only year, actually, but your year of apprenticeship, 
Yeah, I didn't even finish. I didn't even finish my 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 education no story actually. <laughs> oh, you didn't. Yeah, so was, you didn't. That was only part of it. I got distracted. I'm sorry. Come on, sorry. I was just jumping on. Go ahead. Go ahead. So the the way my 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 sommelier studies went in college was that it was uh, divided into categories. So we started with uh, you know uh, tasting wine and learning how, how to pick up flavors and aromas and what uh, the descriptions uh, would be in in a very general sense. And then you get into winemaking techniques. Then you get mm-hmm into viticulture and vinification and you get into uh, the geography of wine then you get into specific regions so anyway, the, the the last portion of my my studies was called sommelier advanced and I met uh, a gentleman who was my instructor by the name of Steve Robinson and he at the time was preparing for his level three court of master sommeliers exam so for those that don't know, the, the Court of Master Sommeliers, or I'll say the CMS from now on, uh, is a, it's an examining body that was mm-hmm. started in, in, uh, in North America, but it's available in, in Europe as well. They, ex- uh, they, they examine people in the UK. And what it does is it relies on your industry experience and sets a standard for, uh, for, for wine knowledge and beverage service. Um, mm-hmm. So... Um, Another popular body is the Wine and Spirits Education Trust, so WSET, which uh, might be a little bit more popular and more familiar with people. That one is very academic. So they focus on blind tasting and they focus on theory quite heavily. With With the CMS, it focuses on those two factors, but there's a very heavy service component attached to that as well. So those who are referred to as master sommeliers have completed the CMS. Those that have uh, uh, completed WSET are masters of wine. So there are a few people that hold both titles, uh, but as far as the CMS goes, there are only about 270 in the world and only about 170 in North America. In Canada specifically, there are only five. So it's an extremely hard exam. It's extremely challenging. Um, And uh, of that, there are four levels. So you start with your intro, which is quite simple. It's simply a theory-based, mostly multiple choice exam. Mm -hmm. And then when you pass that, you move to your level two, which is the certified, which is what I currently hold. And okay. that one is, uh, so you, you have a blind tasting component, and then you've got a theory exam, and you have a service exam. So service in the sense that it's a, it's a mock restaurant setup, mm. and you, uh, you perform a service with uh, a master as uh, an invigilator who is giving you questions as you perform a traditional, uh, very antiquated <laughs> style of yeah. service, uh, where you, you know, you're only allowed to go around the table clockwise, you serve the ladies first, and, uh, you know, you serve the host last, things like that. Yeah. So it can be quite intimidating, it's quite challenging. Uh, so yes, yeah, so, so level two is, is that, level three is the advanced, and if you do well enough on your advanced, you're invited to sit for the master's exam. So that's, uh, so that's why I met Steve, who was uh, preparing for his advanced exam. Okay. And his entire component for the uh, ad, uh, sommelier advanced course that he was teaching us, which was not affiliated to the CMS, was so intriguing to me. It was so amazing to see this man incorporate his knowledge, his theoretical knowledge, but also ad, uh, attaching a service aspect to it. So that's how I ended up uh, asking him to join the CMS, which he uh, to join him in his tasting group to practice for the CMS. And that's how I ended up getting into it. So in 2015, I did my intro in Montreal. Uh, I had uh, uh, some some great masters that I was introduced to. And then uh, a few months later in in the summertime, I went to New Orleans for my certified exam. And now now working on the advanced. So hopefully, uh, you know, once COVID is done, I'll be able to, to sit that exam. Come on, that is crazy. Because the, the yeah. funny thing is that 
do you only work it's it's really challenging for me to understand that you woke up it's basically like waking up one day and be like oh i want to try this i have a year off because it's pretty like i've i studied hospitality and i remember after a week i was like i just can't no there's no way because you, you're like standing up all the, like 10 hours a day or something like that what did you see there that you were like okay let me because it's not the fancy it could be fancy, but I think after three years, you could be like, it's fine. I know how to use this fork and know how to cook and know how to, you know, decide wine for myself. But what made you decide to be like, oh, really, I'm going to follow up with this? Uh, to, to be honest, I wasn't sure at the time. <clears throat> okay. And it was definitely the, the CMS uh, component and joining that that gave me purpose with, with, uh, with my career. Okay. So that's when I, I, I realized that, okay, it's, it's actually possible to not simply just be a waiter, but also, you know, have fulfillment and be happy and uh, have advancement in, okay. in, this, in this field. So I All think right. that for me, that was important uh, to, right. to, to pursue. All right. So I'll, I'll ask the, the criminology thing. How did it help you <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to jumpstart your career, I guess? I'll, I'll, say, I'll say the critical thinking uh, oh, <laughs> may, nice. may have come into, come into play. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because with, uh, so w- where, where I live, we interchangeably use, you know, Gatineau, Quebec and Ottawa, Ontario. We oh, mostly okay. refer it to as Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada. So it's, it's the general area. They should, okay. they should really just be one city, if you, if you ask my opinion. You but, guys are not complicated at all. No, <laughs> we, we have a strong French influence, so we, we get it from there. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so there's uh, so in Ottawa, it's it's rare for someone to simply hold the title of sommelier. So you, there's a there's usually a management component attached to that, which means double duty oh. in, in a sense. Okay. So I, I suppose my, my my university studies helped me in in being disciplined in that way, of mm-hmm. uh, of, of having a, a very specific management style and developing that and understanding how to solve problems. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So. Obviously, now you're sommelier, but you're the general manager, you just said, of a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, people would ha- keep asking me, how can you say that I can pay this much of money for this, you know, this service? And I'm always saying, you know, I spent three years or for some more studying something. I better be paid for something. Mm-hmm. I studied something. You start a comp- like a restaurant in Ottawa. I have no idea what the Ottawa food scene is or Canada in general, but I assume it's kind of like New York, you know, Toronto. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 very metropolitan in that sense for sure. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, we're young. We're like millennials. How do you speak to the customer who are around our age? I'm 33, and be like, yeah, you want to try because you know McDonald's has only you know, we can only do McDonald's so far. I've yeah not against kebab but yeah (laughs) i've passed that time but uh yeah and just be like hey this is a um i grew up in a family where we will do things in a restaurant setting Mm -hmm. celebrating easter christmas or whatever and for me a restaurant has a different meaning but for some it's just like oh it's just fancy i could do something better outside whatever what what do you think what do you say I, I, th- this is going to be a long answer, so I apologize in go. advance because I, I have this conversation often. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, 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 I think value for a lot of people is, uh, is a very personal thing. It's very subjective. Mm. So for people to understand the value of things can be quite challenging. 
So yeah. I, I like I like to use the example of uh, you said McDonald's. So yes, uh, you know what? There, there's there the there, there different rankings of restaurants. So the restaurant I work for were considered one of the best uh, in North America. Mm -hmm. uh, so we we feature on Canada's top 100 restaurants uh, every every single year, uh, quite consistently. Mm -hmm. So very small restaurant. We What we focus on is what we call modernist cuisine. So there's a molecular component attached to it. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a tasting menu. So we, we do 44 courses. And what uh, what a lot of people don't see is uh, the amount of work that goes into preparing yeah. that. So when you go to McDonald's, you're going to eat, right? Mm -hmm. And when you go to another restaurant, you're going to eat, but also ambiance. And when you go to another mm -hmm. restaurant, you're going yeah. to eat, have ambiance and have an experience, right? So you can either, you know, you can, you can download a movie on your cell phone or you can watch Netflix on your TV or you can uh, have uh, your home theater system set up or you can go to the movie theater or you can go to uh, the cinema, you can go to the opera like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. So when you get to the highest level of uh, dining, it's mm. the equivalent of going to the opera. You're not simply mm. paying for food. You're not simply paying for uh, a show. You're paying for an experience. Yeah. So I think that's where the value comes in as far as paying say you know for my uh my north americans if you're going to pay five dollars for your mcdonald's versus two hundred dollars for mm -hmm. uh, a meal or if you're in europe and the same thing you pay five euro for for one thing and we pay mm -hmm. 200 euro for another that may be comparable and in the same category in a very general sense it's it's really about an experience and it's important to go into something like that where you're going to be spending quite a significant amount of money uh, with the idea and the openness that it mm -hmm. is going to be an experience and to have that uh, mentality of, uh, of having an open mind. So, yeah. yeah, that's, sure. yeah. Uh, for, I mean, you, you do have an answer for me. I think at some point I was like, you know what? Nah, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll discover one day. I just, <laughs> and I'm, I'm also the worst person for this because I'm, I'm of the, the mentality. Money will come and go. So YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you tell me today, like we, like, we were going to experience this thing. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Let's go. <laughs> Mr. 2am is going to make <laughs> Mr. it happen. <laughs> Mr. 2am is a problem. I have to keep him but, in check sometimes. <laughs> but it's funny. I think for me, as you said, there is something that you get to learn with the value of things. And Obviously, I made jokes with kebabs and I did eat kebabs, but I knew what I was paying for and I wasn't asking for something fancy. Mm. For us, our generation, whether they're in um, Aussie diaspora, because Europe, uh, Africa, what is the future for you? What do you realize? Like, imagine somebody in Zambia is looking at your Instagram and be like, I want to be this guy, but like in Osaka. Mm -hmm. And obviously, the currencies are not the same, the economies are not the same. I'm not obviously saying that 200 euros in Africa makes sense, although it depends. And kind of seeing this as a vision long-term and not, you know. Yeah, uh, that, that's, that's, that's a great question actually. So uh, I'll, 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 say, I'll say one thing first. So um, even what we, what we call ethnic cuisine, and I hate that term because it seems very, very dismissive. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's making, it, it's sort of the, the otherism of, of, of food, right? Where it's like, okay, if it's not French or Italian, then it's, yeah. other and it's ethnic, uh, which isn't fair. Uh, I feel like there's the ability to have uh, your, your, your kebab or your, uh, or your, you know, your butter chicken or your, mm. uh, your, your chow mein um, given to you in so many different ways that justify different prices. Mm -hmm. So I think for, for, for Africans, we, we're, we're not necessarily there yet. 
uh, in, in general, you know, mm -hmm. um, in when I was fortunate enough to go to, uh, to, to Rwanda in, uh, in 2016, uh, I, I, I was, I experienced some restaurants that were getting there and attempting to, to, mm. to sort of have that still true to roots, but also elevating the, the, the style yeah. of, of, of cuisine and the style of dining. And then now there, there are actually a, a couple of restaurants, uh, in, in Kigali that are actually elevating yeah. to that extent that justify I think 150 euros or something to, to that yeah. to that price point, and uh, even in South Africa, it's uh, same thing. They they sort of have their established food industry okay. that has also been growing and leaps and bounds. And uh, the the only African restaurant to feature on the world's best 50 is from Cape Town. Uh, so so they they are actually uh, doing some doing some great things and some fun things there as far as you know keeping it within the African context, but mm -hmm. at the same time, employing well, these techniques that are classically European, yeah. for example, right? So uh, yeah, even an Asian restaurants, if you go, if you go to Asia, we're starting to see that too. But uh, as far as the rest of the continent goes, I can't speak too much to, uh, to the North and to, to the West. I, I don't really yeah. know no. those yeah. regions all that well. So I'm more, I'm a Southern African boy and I know the East uh, uh, as well. So that's, that's sort of, that's, that's where I can see it changing and the mm -hmm. attitudes are changing and especially in our generation like you said millennials we have such a strong diasporic component that has experienced this side but everybody's going back true and i love that i love that energy i love that, <laughs> that everybody's so excited to go back home you know yeah. and and what we're seeing is that they have this opportunity to to be entrepreneurs and to be business people and to be restaurant owners but then they also have this knowledge that they've gotten from the western side that is mm -hmm. very beneficial in a sense that it's uh, it, it's introducing something new, True. and and that that's that's amazing to me. So I, I feel like we're, we're carving out a very unique dining experience in in in, in Africa, and uh, I'm excited to see what happens in the next five ten years. Let me ask you then about the sommelier because sommelier is mm -hmm. another level. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's a field on its own basically. What would yep. you see and what, maybe what you hope for the Southern Africa or uh, East Africa part of raising kids or introducing kids to what not kids, <laughs> adults to wine and to, to that. <clears throat> Basically, you can become who you've never seen or never heard. And I feel like in, in our spaces, uh, most of the things that we, we know of, we, it's because we, we had TV, we had ES, uh, ESPN, mm -hmm. ESTV, whatever. What would you like to do for you? I mean, it's not to say that you already planned that, but to see so, more familiar, so more people really working and thriving, bringing excellence in the hospitality field. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's it has there has to be a mindset shift. So I think we need to move away from uh, imposing on the younger ones that the the sort of classic professions are the only way to go you know hmm. it's uh, I, I remember for the longest time growing up if you called yourself a businessman it just meant that you were not a lawyer doctor engineer <laughs> accountant like we mentioned before so you're just you're just a guy <laughs> who goes around and well, does stuff there. you know <laughs> yeah you need a car okay I got you <laughs> you know that, that, that type of thing but the same guy will also sell you a washing machine for example I, like, so I think it's a mindset change that needs to happen um, we're starting to see it like I said uh, so, you know as far as sommelier goes, South Africa has established wine wine scene, so we we see a lot of a lot of sommeliers uh, coming out of there. Uh, mm -hmm. Interestingly, because of what was happening in Zimbabwe, a lot of Zimbabweans moved to South Africa, and they uh, 
got a lot of the, the restaurant jobs. And we're starting to see a very, very strong Zimbabwean oh. presence as far as sommeliers go. So it's, it's really cool. They, there is an international mm -hmm. sommelier competition and Zimbabwe actually has a team. Uh, I think there are four or five of them. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's cool to see. Uh, but yes, I, I, feel, I feel like uh, we do have hospitality schools as part of our okay. trades colleges and things yeah. like that. I feel like there, there could be a little bit more in intention from from people that are in charge of these schools to make it more of a make it feel like it's more of a career than, mm. than it is right now all right uh so yeah tell us about the genesis of atelier restaurant then uh so uh, as far as uh, atelier where i work right now yes okay yes so so this again, it started as a joke. Uh, if my my oh, whole life, I love my whole your life. life is <laughs> my life is one big uh, HBO comedy special. Oh. I feel like I, I want I want Trevor Noah to, to play me when when there my life go. becomes a movie. <laughs> Trevor, because you're listening, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, so I was so I've only worked at two restaurants in my life. That's it. Whoa, two restaurants. So I've been in I've been in Canada for 17 years. So a fun fact, I, as of this year, I have spent as much time in Africa as I have in oh, North yeah. America. So okay. I, I, I'm, I'm at the equinox of my life and go. 16 years in, in the restaurant industry. And I'm not shy about saying 16 years because it's very, very important to have those, uh, to have that foundation as a dishwasher, to have the most mm. humble role in, in the restaurant, to fully understand how this ecosystem works. Yeah. So for I, I was I was at a restaurant called the East India Company. So this is where my my defensiveness when it comes to ethnic cuisine was developed because it was such it's such an amazing restaurant that puts so much detail, uh, attention to detail in what they do that that's where I got my eye for detail. Mm -hmm. So I was there for a very long time, and during my my sommelier studies, I was I was working there. So. Um, after about a year of studying CMS with Steve, Steve was the general manager of Atelier at the time. Okay. And he, uh, he said he, he was having trouble finding a, a sommelier and uh, he, was, he was wondering if I knew anybody. And I said, oh, what days of the week do you need? And he says, Friday and Saturday. I was like, let me see if I can, if I can swing it. Uh, so no. <laughs> it ended up being like I was I was I was a manager for you know from Sunday until Friday afternoon and then Friday night and Saturday night I was I was just a sommelier so it was actually like a what? it was it was therapy for me it was like a vacation going into this very fine dining establishment and only having one role and not having the responsibility mm. of everything else sure. so that was that was that was nice so yeah that's how that's how i ended up going on so for a year and a half i was working for seven days a week wow yeah come on <laughs> two like jobs no shabbat you have no I, idea oh my I, god no i uh, you know uh no shabbat i i couldn't be seventh day adventist <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> wow. so yeah it's uh, it was it was quite the experience i don't recommend it to anybody uh, my, my, my body took a very, very big beating. My, my personality changed. I was not a very nice person. I was constantly yeah, grumpy. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it, anyway, eventually I, I, got a, I got offered the job of assistant manager at Atelier. So I thought about it. It was a very hard decision for me to make because I had <laughs> been at the East India Company for 13 and a half years at that point. Wow. And it had been my home. It's a family-owned business. That family oh, became okay. like my family. So it was uh, it was a hard decision to leave, but I felt it was the right one for me to grow and to actually mm -hmm. 
now apply this year and a half of only being a sommelier and seeing how I can sort of uh, incorporate a fine dining oh. management aspect because I've always wanted to do fine dining. I've been very, very intrigued with it. Okay. So, so yeah, that's how I started. And then at the time it was a 12 course tasting menu. Okay. And Which is then, a lot in itself, but it's fine. Yeah. yeah 12, 12 courses was, was, was overwhelming for me at the time. But it, was, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was good for me because my food knowledge skyrocketed and it was an exponential growth as far as my, my food knowledge went and you know my wine knowledge was growing and at a steady rate but my food knowledge was really was really really low uh, but being in that fine dining uh, scene really up up, up uh, really elevated elevated sure. that aspect of of, uh, of my knowledge so yeah that is yeah three, three months after that I became general manager when my good friend Steve decided to step down <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I ended up being, so at the time, I think it was, Atelier was number 24 on Canada's best 100. No way. So, Come on. so I ended up being general manager of uh, a top, top 25 restaurant. So it's, uh, no, can I, 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 what age? Like, no. Um, so I'm, I'm turning 34 in June. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I, how old was I? That means I was 30. 20, yeah, 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 I was, I was, I was just, I, I was just over 30. That's crazy. So, oh, <laughs> it was, come uh, on. It, I still don't believe that I, yeah, I do. I feel like, I feel like, like I'm just, I'm a kid like, from Lusaka. How, how, how am I doing what I'm doing? Here you go. Like, you want to take over this restaurant, by the way, it's like 20 years. Yeah. Like, sure. Yeah. yeah. As a joke. You did take it as a joke. I took it know. as a joke. And, like <laughs> I said, you know. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's it was it was super interesting, and I'm I'm grateful for that experience. And mm -hmm. then sort of uh, COVID hit, and we yeah. sort of took time off to dis to reinvent ourselves. We thought it was a perfect opportunity that if we're going to do something different. So uh, my 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 current chef, who's also the owner of the restaurant, mm -hmm. was very he was very very creative and very enthusiastic and just a genius. Mm -hmm comes to us and says yeah what do you think about 44 courses and we all, we, we all kind of looked at each other like it was a joke uh but then in spirit we send someone in your mind to be like no yeah. the challenge is there we want, we want more yeah wow exactly so yeah so being the person that has been sort of curating the logistics behind how service for something that you know, large will go. Man. And then on top of that, it's an interactive experience. So it's basically uh, QR codes and your smartphone is involved and things yeah. like that. So it, it's, it's weird. It, there's nothing like it around the world. So I didn't even have a reference <laughs> to, to go to. So, you know, I can't go and say, oh, how's that place doing? And then, and, and, you know, sort of steal ideas off of yeah. that. <laughs> You're like, basically nope. figured it had to figure it out and try different things. So yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just... As a customer, I go there for 44. You tell me I stay for like three, four hours. Because French, we know how to, you know, to spend mm -hmm. time in a restaurant. But North Americans are like, and now I don't understand the lunch for an hour. I still don't. After yeah. <laughs> 11 years in France. And they're like, no, but just have a sandwich here. And I'm like, still, I don't get it. I'd rather yeah, like, eat. I, I need a nap after two. It's like, <laughs> let me eat. I'll go for a nap and then I'll come back to work. Exactly. But like 44, <laughs> it's like, okay, so you're going to sit here from seven until... I don't know, 11.30-ish? Yeah, it's, it, it, takes, it takes about that. It's about three, three and a half hours for wow. a full dining experience. And uh, pe people are sort of skeptical. One, they're like, I can't eat that much food, but really, 
you can you can yeah <laughs> and then uh, it's also like three hours so, okay I, mean, I need to make sure I come with somebody that uh, I'm willing to speak to for that long <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> yeah it's it, it, it's definitely like I said it's an experience so we don't okay. uh, we don't flip tables we don't you know say yeah, that you're, you're, we're not you're coming in at six and then we need the table back at nine no, no. it's like if you come in then you have the table for the whole the night whole and right. I, that's also speaking to that ability to give as as much value as far as service goes as possible to ensure that they don't feel rushed because they are paying mm-hmm. so much money for this experience right True. and what happened because now i feel like uh, the lockdown is over or something so what's the yeah we've gone through a few lockdowns so the first one was in march and mm-hmm. uh, that one lasted i think two and a half months mm-hmm. yeah. so we uh all restaurants were, were closed and then they allowed us to do takeout towards the end of that. Okay. So a lot of places were doing that. Uh, we, we did uh, something, something pretty unique. We did a drive through uh, tasting menu. So it was seven, seven courses. <laughs> seven you guys courses are like creative, but it's best, man. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. It, it, it challenges me daily. It's a lot of fun. Wow. Yeah, I, 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 I sometimes I look at it and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but let's, do it. <laughs> We're let's, make see, it let's see what happens. Wow. So yeah, it was people would drive up or it was summertime. So if they wanted to walk up or bike through or rollerblade, we give them one course with a, a non-alcoholic uh, paired beverage. And then okay. they would go and sit, they would go and sit across the street oh, or hang God. out in the parking lot. And then they come back for the second course and the third and Dude, the fourth. And I'm like flying that, so. to Ottawa, man. Like <laughs> the, the moment they open the frontiers, I'm like, let me because, go and visit this place. Cause this, yeah, you, sh- you should come through because we're a government town. People always think that we're boring, but no, no, no. We're, <laughs> man, you do know that Burundians are like Canadians. You know, now yeah. they have like <laughs> Burundian people, you know, that they're everywhere. So, when I mm. get to know and stuff, at this point, at Richard Point, I'm like, I don't know if you're in Ottawa, Montreal, or Toronto. Yeah. I don't care. You just tell me, and the it, moment I'll, I'll land there, I'll know. But everybody. Ottawa everybody. is basically a suburb of both Toronto and, and Montreal. So. Ah, okay. okay. <laughs> it's, it, they're that close to each other that it's, it, it, you know, it's so easy to, to bounce around between the oh, two. Okay. I, I, call, I call Montreal my second home okay okay yeah. so for me it's like yeah but just to discover everything is there everyone mm. love you guys but the creativity that comes that's what i like about hospitality as well especially when i mean we go there every day it's like being challenged you may have the same client mm-hmm. every day like especially for me who works in hotels you can stay there for like i don't know a week but daily i need this i want this i don't have this and and that creativity when you saw it like happening during, I mean, pandemic, nobody saw this coming. Yeah. Really, nobody. What was your first thought of like, this is going down? <laughs> Not for the good. So. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so the, I guess the initial thought was that it's, you know, oh, this will last a week and we'll, we'll go <laughs> yeah. back to normal. That's, that's, that's the attitude. I remember I was going. for us too, we're like three weeks yeah. max. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you realize like, oh, it's been a month. Oh, it's going to be two months. <laughs> yeah. Mm. At, at some point, so after the two and a half months, we reopened and then we closed again, yeah. I think in October and then closed it, opened up, closed again, end of December. And now we are in the most recent open. At some point, I was questioning my, my choice of, of career because it's mm. not it's not something you can do from home. Right. It's yeah. not uh, yeah. it's not it, it's not it's not a you know there's no web-based app that you can use to entertain people Zoom, uh, <laughs> and do things. Yeah. yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was very, very challenging. So uh, it's, it's nice to know that that a few places have had the ability to stay and and mm. and, and and manage the the hardship of of being closed. 
Yeah. But uh, there are a lot of places that have not been able to do that and, and have been yeah. have been closing. So that's that's sort of the downside of it. But the, the, the other bright side is that we're starting to see a lot more um, concepts coming up, a lot more different concepts. So a lot of people are launching their own businesses from home where, yeah. you know, if, if you're if you're a pastry chef, they're, they're, they're baking or if, mm. uh, you know, curate, curated meals that that they can drop off at your door, like, you know, here we've oh, got okay. good food boxes and, and things like that. So it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how creative people can actually get when okay. they're, they're, they don't have that ability to go out and eat. All right. So this is a question about management and leadership mm-hmm. your manager obviously a general manager of a restaurant and um i don't know if it's like movies or documentaries uh, but i did see that in my industry as well one is how people like superiors speak to their people you know mm-hmm. sometimes they did treat people like nothing especially mm-hmm. interns i do remember my first internship it was not the best yeah but and the second is uh the obviously because we're the march 8th but you don't have to have the answer but the space what is the space given to women in this industry you know uh so my first question will be like what is your type of leadership how do you see your team and how do you encourage them um to thrive and to just believe in what they do in the midst of craziness or if it is going well if you guys are becoming number one restaurants to just keep your head down and keep on going yeah, that's that's a, that's a great question. I think I think I've had different styles over the the course of my career. So being you know, I was made a shift supervisor fairly young, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, being a young young man, you want to impose your your authority on people. So I yeah, very very strong armed, <laughs> very very strong armed, not very willing to to see situations for mm. what uh, for what they might be, and just saying like no, this is how it's supposed to be done. You should oh, do okay. it, and not necessarily communicating that very well so I wasn't if you ask anyone that I managed early in my career they'll tell you like no 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 he he was not a very nice guy Uh, but I think everyone has to go through that to learn how to to manage uh, to manage people Mm. and I I think it's it's important to also acknowledge uh, and eventually obviously learn that you're not managing people based on one system you're, you're actually managing individual personalities and it's important to be able to communicate to people the way they respond to best so it's uh, that's that's something i learned and that's something i employ to this day is uh, is that I, I i know someone can take a very harsh criticism and mm-hmm. I, I, I i will gladly give it and somebody that maybe won't respond and instead will shut down if they're given that exact same level of criticism to have a different approach and i'm also very very picky about the people that I have on my team because mm-hmm. I, I, I it's a very small restaurant to begin with for one mm-hmm. and uh, How many two seats uh, so with COVID restrictions we're down about 40 percent so we only have 30 34 seats now okay yeah 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 so it's uh, it, it's very small mm-hmm. um, so I guess just to have a person personalities that match yeah. Is, is very, very important. It, it's, it's so easy to have a single person come in with the wrong attitude and the wrong, uh, you know, bad habits from a previous place or things like that mm-hmm. to, to, to come in and, and, and poison the well, you know. Uh, so I am very picky about who, who comes on. Um, and that being said, I have a very, very strong preference to, uh, to, to having young people that have no, no experience come in and I'm willing to put in the time. 
because I want to mold them in the way that I know will be beneficial for yeah. me while you know they, they will still be able to enjoy themselves. So I, I, I like to create this very friendly environment, this almost familial uh, vibe with, with mm -hmm. my team, but at the same time, them knowing that we can joke yeah. around, but then this is why we're here. This is why we're here mm -hmm. to execute. It's great that we're all friends, but that's not why we're here. We're here to yeah. be the best we can be for, for the business. So that's that's sort of my management style. I can be a, a hard ass, but at the same time, I can, <laughs> I can, I can be quite chill. Going. You have to pay the bills. No, that's, yeah. that's, that's really cool because I remember, especially in France, everybody was like sexism, everything was on yeah. the table. And I mean, it was just sad. Um, And what about the place of women? Because I do realize like, uh, yes, we're lots of ladies in the pastoral room. I guess mm -hmm. something like, I don't know, let's just say 60, 40, you know, 60 men, 40 girls. But at the end of the day, who really stays there and who's really managing and... Yeah. How it, do you it, see that? It, it's, it's, it's definitely skewed towards men. It's definitely a, mm -hmm. a male-dominated industry. Um, it's... Uh, We're starting to see more and more women, I, I, I think, but at the same time, we're starting to see more and more women sort of in the middle levels of, yeah. uh, of, of the hierarchy, if yeah. you will. So management is still very much male-dominated. Uh, being a sommelier is very much male-dominated. It's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's white males that are mm. slums. You, know, it's a, you, you rarely see any, anybody else. So yeah, true. It, 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 it's hard. And that's what that's why I, I I love being in the position that I am because I have that opportunity to actually do my best to make sure that mm -hmm. we have more more women represented that we have more uh, people of color represented in 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 the roles that are there and it it, it has to be at every level it can't just be uh, sure. at the at the dishwasher level or at the server level it has to be all through the ranks so mm. yeah. yeah. All right. So let me finish with this because I love when I asked you that question last time, you said, mm, I do have some reservation on this one on court mm -hmm. available on Netflix. Yeah. It's not being sponsored by Netflix. So let me just explain for a second what I do see here. Uh, what mm -hmm. I did see because I don't have a TV now, but I don't, I can't remember if it is top, top chef or master chef. It is the same or different because there's one one show with like regular guys trying to cook basically yeah and i remember watching it while i was in hospitality school and i was like is this a joke and then i realized like alex this is reality tv so it's fine then there's a difference when i think it's master chef and friends you can see the professionalism and just like but there is a you know it's a show at the end of the day it's not reality mm -hmm. Encore. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> What did you see? I did like the movie because I was like, oh, oh man, my it's goodness. confinement and I needed some wine and I did drink, I didn't yeah. drink wine actually, I did drink a bit of beer and I was like, yeah, here's, I'm not even joking, here's a white guy, a black guy. What? And I was like, interesting. Let me mm. watch it. And that was it. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Have you watched the Psalm documentaries on Netflix? Not yet. I keep oh, seeing okay. it and I'm like... I, I, have, I have a beef with them too, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but you know what? The Uncork fun part for me was like when he came to France, I was like, mm -hmm. he leaves in a thousand meters. 
Anyways, this just I, ne- I never want to drink Alberbi show after watching that, that, that <laughs> movie. I never, never. But I never. like the fact it was like, do you like Drake? Was yeah. it a Drake thing or? Yeah, drink? yeah. I was like, was the, like, the dude got the black dude. The yeah. <laughs> community. <laughs> so okay. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. So uncorked. The, so it, 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 ten minutes a, for you. Yeah, please. I will need it. <laughs> uh, so it, it's a fun movie because. It does focus on the black experience in the in in, in the industry in a very general sense. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I also enjoyed the aspect that as a movie by itself, I'm 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 a huge movie guy. So mm. movies movies are like my thing. As a, a as as a movie, it was nice to have that family dynamic. Yes. Yeah. The cousin the cousin killed me. I love the cousin. <laughs> the cousin made the movie. <laughs> he was he was the best character in the whole movie. <laughs> and I was like chablis. <laughs> It's in cursive. It must be good. <laughs> I can't. I can't even. Okay. That guy was dope. I liked him. Um, and yeah, it's, it's so the family aspect, the family dynamic and nobody knowing what a Somali yeah. is and thinking he's is yeah. a Somalian and things like that. You know, that, yeah, that, that, was, so that, was, that, that was that comedic aspect was funny. My, my beef with it is that it was basically uh, based on the CMS. So mm-hmm. the, the process he was yeah. going through was essentially the CMS. And at All some right. point, they've got a, a gentleman by the name of Dylan Proctor, uh, the, the black guy that was giving the seminar okay. on, on the okay. tasting grid. And he has the CMS grid behind him on the PowerPoint. And mm-hmm. he, they're going through this process. And that, that was nice that they had that oh, element. Okay. And that was sort of the focus of it. But the movie made it seem that within three weeks of taking a class here and class there and going to France, you, you can sit your exam for master sommelier, right? Like the guy was doing his service exam and literally dropped <laughs> stuff on the table, right? Uh, that, for, for me, that was, that was a little bit of- uh, of Beauty. Of- that, was, that, was, that was the power of Hollywood, uh, yeah, true. kind of. Mm. But the reality is it's, it's on average a 10 year process. Like people Absolutely. to get to the master's exam, they will I sit it six, seven, eight, nine times mm-hmm. before actually succeeding uh, if they do at all, you know? Mm. So it's, it's quite hard. Like for myself, I said, I started 2015 was my first exam. I'm only halfway mm-hmm. there and we're six yeah. years down the road, you know? That's true. So it, it, wow. it, it felt, it, it, that was a little bit insulting <laughs> that, that it sort of gave these people, oh, you're a sommelier, you just, you went to class for three weeks, good for you. When the reality is it's, it's a constant, it's continual learning. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, Jen, it's like the, the whole thing about going to France, it's like, no, you don't necessarily need to go to a place to experience mm. it because as, as, as minorities, we experience this, whether you're a woman or whether you're black or whether you're a black woman, you experience these barriers to entry, right? You experience these, these roadblocks. And that to me was a huge roadblock, which was <laughs> a disservice to, to, to what it actually is. If mm. they had spent more time on what it actually takes, I think a lot more people would have been interested and it would have done its job of educating people as to what uh, it actually is to become mm-hmm. a sommelier. But who, who honestly has the ability to go to France and who has access to a scholarship or, you know, to borrow $10,000 or whatever it was to take a trip? Mm. So you, it, it, those are luxuries. Those are luxuries. Absolutely. Those are not necessities. Like I, I have not visited many vineyards in, 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 my, in my life and in my mm-hmm. career, right? So it's, uh, yeah, and so that, that, those, 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 those two elements were kind of my, my, biggest, mm-hmm. uh, my biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's TV. Yeah. At, the, at this point, for me, I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, it is television. It is TV. Because <laughs> I have a sister who's a, who's a doctor, and I remember we used to joke with ER. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. 
Yeah. We are before. Huge Clooney George fan. Clooney fan right here. There you go. <laughs> Not Clooney because he's Clooney, but Clooney yeah. in ER because ER was really super dope and keep watching it. But just at least there was like a, a sense of reality, like the emergency, mm-hmm. da, da, da. and then came Grey's Anatomy, and she was like, "This is a joke, guys." Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Can't you be like a neurosurgeon and do this in two in two seconds, like, guys? Yeah. No way. And but I feel like for us who are in the industry, we do understand. And for me, I was like, you know, it's confinement. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. But it was, um, yeah. I feel like for me, I was like, man, it's. I mean black dude man doing his thing obviously few people really few people will understand what you do even for you I mean even in your family and friends really to realize what it is what kind of type of sacrifice you have to do when you work in the hospitality as you said in Mr. 2am it is for a reason you have to close (laughs) to clean everything and and here and there so for me it's kind of fun but I'm like guys man don't use the Drake that's just me uh, the, no, so I was actually going to address that too. No, I just also, it, it's it's like okay, so it's 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 amazing that he's a black dude who's doing this, but then it's like why? <laughs> why why did he have to go to that oh. level of explaining it? You know, oh. in 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 that ter- in in those in those ways. Like I, I get it, I understand feelings. it. Yeah, it's just, like, oh, <laughs> it's just that that didn't work for me. <laughs> feelings I was like oh this is how North America and that's my problem with North Americans is like I don't know no I hope it's not the same because I heard that before with I think some clients of Asia thing Mm -hmm. that mix coke and you know yeah so so high-end Bordeaux these guys will spend like twenty thousand dollars on uh you know uh, Chateau Lafitte and then cut it with uh, with (laughs) Coca-Cola because there's so the Asian market is actually particularly interesting it's very very similar to uh the the southern African market where flossing Mm -hmm. is is huge so it's like yeah I'm I drink you know Moe and uh and Verve because those are the expensive brands right But then the reality is this person will be happy to drink something that's like five bucks, <laughs> but extremely sweet. So what ends up happening, this person will buy this $20,000 bottle and then mix in the Coke because buying it appeals to that ego, but then drinking it with Coke actually pleases the palate. So there, there's, a, there's a huge like small person syndrome where, <laughs> where you just have to be like, yeah, let's just- I, I'm not even joking. I think as, as an owner of a restaurant or a bar, I'll be like, I'm going to watch you drink it. Yeah. Nothing else. You know what I mean? If not, I'm going to give you this. Yeah. And that's that's part of what being a sommelier is, you know, it's having that conversation with, uh, with the guest. It's not simply about taking uh, the order and serving the wine and, you know, that's it. No, it's about, okay. So you, you, you like a certain type of wine. What is it? And then I see you ordered this. Are you sure based on what you told me before, this doesn't really match that. Uh, you know it's, it's it's all about that it's about massaging egos <laughs> what, what would you react if you see something like that like happening in your a restaurant or yourself I, like, you'll be like at the end of the day you know <laughs> if you're paying for it do you okay in your restaurant you'll be like it's fine but just like outside you're like yeah no honestly i feel like I'm uh outside i i would honestly probably just scratch my head uh <laughs> I, I feel i feel like there should be a, a world star for uh <laughs> <laughs> for for these things it'll just be me with my cell phone be like no oh my gosh i don't know when it comes to champagne because i'm so used to seeing people champagne like that champagne, that I'm breaks like, my heart oh, it still does but that breaks my heart i mean i mean it's no 
no, it was a it's, chateau. It's a different from I'm like, no. It depends on the champagne though, which is like mm-hmm. it is the first, you know. So so I think I think with wine in general, uh there, there's there's always effort that has gone into making it. So for me, you're you're already getting champagne as your celebratory uh, beverage, voilà. which yeah. which is which is which is wrong. You should drink champagne every day, breakfast, <laughs> lunch, <Breakfast>. dinner. <laughs> but yeah, I, so to to shake it and then you know waste half of it for True. a show True, is like I I don't I don't get that I don't get that I don't I don't understand it. Yeah, because the, the the reality is whether you're buying from a big brand mm. uh, that's, you know, owned by LVMH, like Verve and yeah, Moulet, okay. whether you're buying from a very, very small producer, uh, the, the, the reality is people put, put, put time and effort True. into that. You know, no, we, we don't, yeah, it's like, it's like uh, those food fights, right? Like it's, it's, it hurts when you see people throwing food at each other for no reason. It's like, that you're is wasting. So that is so yeah. true, but it hurts more. It hurts more when it's with the, food, a, the food group that I <laughs> that I that I thrive on. For, for me, I'm like, if somebody does that in front of me, I really no, no, honestly, mm. we'll not be friends. That for sure. But that's another problem for another time. Okay, let me ask you then, because um, yes, I drink alcohol, but not like excessively. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do drink champagne on you know some occasions, as you just said, and I feel like for me, really the one that really speaks to me is Ruinard. Okay. And um, but years before, I didn't really like champagne. I felt like maybe because I had drank, not drank, tasted a lot of things at school. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I had some kind of migraines or something. I was like, no, it's fine. And then maybe a year ago, two years ago, I was like, I feel like some champagne I could do. Yeah. Uh, some like a Lanson, I think. I did. What so that, that uh-huh. yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I think that, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense because um, not all champagnes are created the same way. So, like for me, when I hear somebody say, "Oh, I don't like white wine," it's like, "Well, what does what does that mean? <laughs> you know, which which white wine hurt you?" <laughs> that is a good one. That is so good. That is and, so true. And yeah. even then, it's like, okay, you don't like white wine. What don't you like? Oh, I don't like riesling. Okay, which riesling? Because if you go to Alsace and you have riesling there, it's very very different than if you go to the Moselle in in Germany, and it's very very different than if you go to the Clare Valley in Australia. Uh, so it's like, it, so which, which Riesling didn't mm. you like? Oh, it's, uh, it's because I don't like sweet wines. Okay, fine. I understand. But then that also is like Riesling can be dry. This is mm. such a huge category. So with Champagne specifically, what my preference is, I, I love uh, Blanc de Noir. So Champagne that's made from the red grapes. Okay. And it can be, it can be clear. It can be rosé. It can be, uh, you know, almost red. It, 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 mm-hmm. There's the, it, it's it's very varied but i find there's a lot more flavor that comes from them mm-hmm. uh, more expressive than when it's just chardonnay oh, okay. uh, and then also there comes the fermentation so if it's barrel fermented then i find you get a lot more texture there's a lot more richness mm-hmm. uh, versus if it's uh, you know if it's fermented in stainless steel and then aged in barrel there's there's a noticeable differences as far as the uh, the, the the texture and the the lasting effect of the uh, on the on the palate oh, okay and and then add on top of that how long it spends uh, aging surely. So when it's aging on the lees, uh, the, the dead yeast cells in the bottle after the fermentation is complete, the second fermentation, uh, depending on how long it's been uh, sitting with that before it gets disgorged and that sediment mm-hmm. is removed, it can impact the, the, the flavor and the texture as well. So 
it it it, it, it's, it's, it's always unfair when I hear people say that, uh, you know, I don't drink this, I don't drink that. Yeah, like, that's so true. Well, uh, yeah, when I, I think I do that with uh, the wine, less with champagne, I guess. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think like, especially- Everyone needs to do what I do. Just anything fermented 5% or more. If it's 5% oh, yeah. alcohol or more, drink it. Exactly. I'm like, <laughs> at least ask. Because I, I just, yeah. no, I just hate uh, what you just said. It's like saumur because it's like sugar. Mm -hmm. A sugar in a bottle and i'm like and yeah. i'm more like a chablis chablis how did they say that in the movie it hurt it's my I was like, it's so if it's in cursive it's good <laughs> oh, yeah. but, but then you realize like i don't know what happened is this us um human beings where we don't know how to ask for not help because when you don't know you just don't know you know bourbon for me i i, I don't like whiskey whether you give them Fancy one, cheap ones. I just can't. I just don't mm. like them. And I feel like, what is that about us consumers where we're like, I don't like this, and I don't want to ask, you know, Mr. Jo so Joseph because he's like a sommelier, he's gonna give me some crazy fancy things, and I will never understand. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it's a very personal thing. I think when it comes to food and drinks, we take it very very personal. It's something that we, you know, we associate with home. We associate with our family, you associate with your mom making you uh, dinner or things like that, right? So when somebody messes with that, it, it's, 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 it's offensive, you know? So if you're used to something and you, you're, you're, you're you know, adapted to a certain thing, you, that's what you want. It's very hard for people to get out of their comfort zones when it comes to that. Oh, okay. It's, it's one thing if you're like, okay, I want to try skydiving. I'm going to go skydiving. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know? true. But if it's like, I, I want to try a different food, you're like, eh. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that adventurous, you know. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think I think that's that's one side of it. And then uh, as as far as what makes it, I guess, difficult for 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 people to ask is we as human beings we're very insecure about our knowledge. So it, to come across as not knowing is a very vulnerable position. And when you have something that you're supposed to know that you think because it's food, because it's drinks, you should know and you mm. don't, it's hard to yeah. break that barrier and then ask for help. Mm. So I think, and I think that's where we come in. That's where yeah. our, our profession comes in. And that's where our profession also has a very, very big problem is that we have a reputation of being extremely condescending and very inaccessible and very, you know, nose in the air. Mm -hmm. We know what we know. What do you know? You know mm -hmm. nothing. And we look down on people, which yeah. I think is terrible. I, I, I do not associate with people like that. Mm -hmm. I cannot associate with people <laughs> like that. And I don't encourage that for myself or yeah. for my team. So yeah, it's, it's on us to make it more approachable and have that mm -hmm. conversation. And if somebody says, uh, uh, is very confident with what they like, great. But if somebody is unsure, it's our job to find out how we can make them sure about what they're doing. Yeah. If that involves a conversation about you know, very technical stuff, then we should be able to do it. Come on. All right. So I'll leave you with this question then. <laughs> what, is, uh, what is in the future uh, for you? And for me? <laughs> for your restaurants? I don't know. Something like in five years, because five years goes really fast. Yeah, the, the five-year plan is actually to move back. Um, the idea is to Lusaka? go... Uh, no, so not to Lusaka. I, I actually Moria. want to I want to open up a, a restaurant in, in Cape Town. So oh, that's, that's the dream. Come on. That's, yeah, that's the dream. But who knows if it will happen. But either way, I think I think moving back is, is the plan no matter what. Okay. Uh, when... Uh, 
when I was in East Africa, you know, I, I, I fell in love with Kigali so I can see myself opening up a restaurant there, mm -hmm. um, Nairobi as well. Um, yeah, I mean, so there's vibrant, there, yeah. There, there are many options. I, I think as long as I'm on the continent and I'm close to home, I'll be happy. Yeah. And even if it's not my own place to start off, you know, it's fine. I feel like I'm in, in, a, in, a, in a position where uh, I, I can I can find a job and succeed yeah, easily I mean, and at least sure. at least make a living. But yeah, that's, you, that's the idea. I'm done with winter. I can't I can't do the snow anymore. I mean, every time people are like, oh, can you come and visit? I'm like, uh, so you asking me to take my summers in yeah. Canada or go back or in Burundi? I'm like, what is this kind of logic? Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, if you go back, yeah, that would be great. That would be really yeah. funny and interesting to see, especially in Kigali. Like I'm Burundian and they're kind of not resenting the, the prosperity that I see in Kigali, but I'm like, they're not better than this. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Randy, Randy's, everyone in Kigali goes to Buja for a party when they want to turn exactly. up. Right? So, <laughs> so if, I'm, I'm definitely opening something over there, like because we yeah. have Lake Tanganyika and the view is just like it is what it is. So yeah, when you, you when you do, I, all I want just uh, I'll be eating. Uh, I think what is it, mukeke? Oh day. yes, man. You know what's up? <laughs> every single day, man. And we like more fun, and I'm like, why is that? So we'll yeah. will happen, and uh, yeah, just just to tell you that uh, thank you very much, and just like oh, amazing, amazing um, joke that you did, like you made of yourself, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> work life, and turn out to be crazy and fun, and we're still waiting on the punchline to this joke. So the joke is, <laughs> is <continuing. laughs> there. You go, there you go. Hopefully, okay, I'm gonna aim for Drake to listen to this one. Yeah, to Sh Champagne your... Papi. I want him to give me that handle now. You know, it's like real Champagne Papi is cool, but okay, I think I, I, think I got this. A serious question before I let you go. Yeah. How about, because I, again, I think my French, like my brain is type French. How about having uh, celebrities buying champagne? As you just said, I didn't know. Drake had one on Instagram. And what happened to the Jay-Z? Where is his champagne? Because I keep asking myself and I'm like, I'm going to Google it and then yeah it's it, i i'm i'm all for it if uh, you know if celebrities are buying champagne great um i i, I mean i don't like the fact that they're their celebrity is what drives the price so for example when when you when you look at uh, armand de briac or ace of spades which is mm -hmm. uh well was fully owned by jay-z until a, a few a few weeks ago yeah uh you look at it and to having tasted it it's it's not a 400 champagne it's more of like 120 champagne so there's that price discrepancy, but then that comes with the celebrity. That oh, being okay. said, that being said, you've also got uh, Bel Air, which is owned by Rick Ross, I think, uh, and you know, or endorsed by him at the very least. And okay. it's uh, it's affordable. It's it's around fifty dollars, right? It's oh, okay. uh, it, it, it does drink. It's price. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll say that. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm all for it. And then you know, Jay Z being the black entrepreneur that he is, and having sold, uh, you know, yeah. half the half of it to Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy for what is it, six hundred billion? No, six hundred million dollars. I have no. He just so just just else. over half a billion dollars of which he takes three hundred and fifteen million for himself. So add to that, I think he just sold title. Uh, exactly, That's he just sold title as well for like half a billion. He's, like, he's that, that I respect. Really? I respect that from a business side. I very yeah, much. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> but what I wanted to see is that does it is it because you bought them as a celebrity? Do you understand, or are you just a name? Does it change the quality or <laughs> not the quality, obviously, of the drinks? But 
is it something that's there? Because I remember I spoke with um, somebody here in France and I asked about the Brad Pitt and uh, Angelina Jolie's uh, mm -hmm. wine. The rosé. They said, really, it's a really good wine. It's yeah. a really good wine. And I mean, the quality is there. And, you know, being French, being proud, and they're like, da 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 da. And I'm wondering if Americans, they do understand the history of the vineyard of France or Italy or whatever they buy the things, or does it just, is it just for sure and be like, hey, you know what, business wise, I'm, I'm business savvy because Jay-Z is, I'll just be honest. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, do, do, they, do, do most celebrities fully understand what they're getting into? I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I know, <clears throat> pardon me, LeBron James is a big wine guy. Uh, oh, yeah. so he, he, he drinks a lot of like big baller wines and he seems mm -hmm. to, he seems to understand what it is that oh, he's, okay. he, he's actually experiencing, which is amazing. I love to see it. Uh, Dwayne Wade makes his own wine as well, uh, which is classic California cab. So it's, it, it drinks like it should, uh, and okay. it's, it's priced accordingly. So that, okay. that makes, uh, that makes sense. Um, so I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think it depends on the celebrity. All oh, right. Yeah. It, it's just, it, all it's, right. I, I feel like it's a passion project for a lot of people, which all is, right. uh, which, which is fine. It, it sort of speaks to our Africanness as well, where some people are bankers and then they own restaurants sure. as their side sure. hustle or whatever it is. Right. Who knows, you're gonna buy a vignoble in South Africa. Uh, you know what, if you're wanting to be an investor. <laughs> you know what, know. I'm gonna call Jay-Z and be like, stop yeah. <laughs> more and let's move on to the, because Africa is the future. And that's for me, it's Absolutely. Just, you know what I mean? It's like, if yeah. I buy something, maybe in South Africa, or maybe in Burundi, we're gonna make a joke or there's one hey, in Kenya. You, 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 know you have elevation, you have uh, you have volcanic soils in, in Burundi, exactly. so why not? <laughs> Exactly. And I'm like, yeah. if I heard uh, I have to taste this wine from Kenya and I laughed for two hours. I have to be honest. And then yeah. I realized, like, Alex, you don't know about the wine, so you shouldn't be condescending. I'm right. Like, and I was like, one day I'm going to try, try anything once. <laughs> so there you go. So how about the, the, the audience? What do you want to take? Uh, tell them, I guess, for uh, I guess for 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 everyone listening, I guess, just, you know, have an open mind when it comes mm. to experiencing food and drinks. Um, you know, it, it's, it's one thing to really enjoy what you enjoy, but mm. what is life if you're not experiencing something new? So get out of the comfort zone. Don't be afraid to have conversations with the so-called professionals. Yeah. Uh, if, if anybody gives you a hard time, if any, any sommelier you ever talk to <laughs> is annoying and rude and condescending at, at me, bro at me <laughs> i will gladly check them because it's uh, there's no there's no place for there's no place for that in in the mm. industry because uh the whole idea behind food and wine specifically is it's meant to be shared it's meant to be enjoyed as, yeah, a, as a communal absolutely. thing right if, if, you, if you if you're drinking and eating alone it's it's almost a problem <laughs> yeah i mean so, yeah so yeah, it, yeah have have that uh have that ability to just come out of your comfort zone and mm. experience something different there you go. I mean, it's, it is a, it's a really nice close. Uh, I'm going to say something that I, uh, not only as an industry person, I did go to Pocu's uh, restaurant here in Lyon, a bit outside oh, nice. Lyon, and it was for a school project and uh, was welcomed by the um, Maître d'Hôtel. Mm -hmm. And it was a really awesome time. He gave me the time to just discover the place. And I was like, aren't you supposed to be like, you know, out there? And it was just amazing. And I was like, see, this is what, hospitality and that's what we do and i went to hits in paris it was exactly the same thing yeah. so to the people listening to the burundians in ottawa or in canada <laughs> after this you have to make sure that you 
call them, you Instagram him, and you make sure that you try the food because it is what it is. My people, hit me up. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Thanks a lot, man. And uh, yeah, I guess. It was a pleasure. Have a good day. Well, you you have a good night. (laughs) Good night for me, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Cheers, man. Thank you.